శాసనం fix that real quick. All right. Hello and welcome to a damn podcast episode 20. Yes. This week we are doing Apocalypse Now. We are also doing our continuation <laughs> of Joe Dante Film Festival with Gremlins. And also along with that we're doing our top five Martin Sheen movies. If you would like to know which movie you would <laughs> like to see, press one now. I'm trying to work on my radio voice since last week I fucked it up so bad. So, What did you fuck up so bad? I just couldn't talk. Oh, yeah. Like the last couple of weeks. It's been kind of weird. So I'm What was the... There was one that you kept saying... Blonde Blad Guys. Blonde Blad Guys. <laughs> and another one was Brad... Was Brad Pitt, but it was what? It was... Brad Kitt or Brad something. Brad Kitt. Something porno-ish. I love Brad Kitt. Um, anyways. Anyways. Um, uh, so. Okay, so last week... Uh, easy enough. We did Blade Runner, Harrison Ford... You got Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's as far as you're going with it, huh? <laughs> oh, I was going to do something really clever, and then I, I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, Harrison Ford's in this. That's okay, yeah, well, I saw that too, and I'm like, oh, Sherlock won't make it that easy. He'll make it more challenging. I was that. going to, <laughs> and then I just was like, ah, screw it. <laughs> I did that two weeks ago. If you guys want to hear me exert effort, that you can go listen to that one again. <laughs> Of course, then that would be you exerting effort to listen to me exert effort. So, anyway, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen seventy nine, Mister Coppola, based on Joseph Conrad's uh, Heart of Darkness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever read that. Marlon Brando didn't read it. I know that. Oh, ooh, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, it's good. It's good. It's it's a, it's a good book. Um, now, did you watch what version? Did you watch? I had an older DVD. I didn't have the redo. Redo, That's good that because what I'm going to is like redo. <laughs> I know there's maybe like Here, three or four minutes of extra. It wasn't that much. Nope, you're wrong. Oh really? There is 47 minutes. No, uh. Uh-uh. 47 minutes. Why and I... here's what we're gonna do. Because okay. I watched that version, I'm gonna leave that stuff out until the end. Okay. And then I'll tell you uh, what the version, the redo, which came out in 2000, uh, what that's all about. Okay. I. Uh... I, I think I may know some. For some reason, I thought I, somebody told me. There's like there was one before the redo or whatever that was like uh, uh, from a couple of years before that that was like had an additional three or four minutes, uh-huh. and then there was all the stuff on the cutting room floor, and that became redo or whatever. It came out in two thousand. Funny part about that, I remember that uh, in two thousand when redo came out, uh, they showed it at the. Um, yeah, Egyptian theater yeah. uh, in Ogden, and I went with my family, and they they did it for vet, uh, Veterans Day. <laughs> my little brother leaned Ouch. over to me and was like, "Who the hell thought this was a good idea <laughs> to show this for V Day? Like that's no." 
that's a bad idea. Well, like, I mean, there's movies that you could show. Yeah. That's not the one. No, definitely not. No, that's it's all about going AWOL. Yeah, it's it's well, it's it's literally about like, like. The harming of the human soul. <laughs> like, yeah, let's make them remember that, right? Like, that sounds great. Well, from what maybe I've just never seen. It. Obviously, I haven't forty. I mean, because I was watching this like You'd two know. and a half in You'd know. hours into it, and uh, that's like a good three-hour movie. If mm-hmm. you watch that, it was over two hundred minutes long. The uh, oh, from what I remember, the one I've seen that was had additional stuff. Just had a, uh, like maybe a couple minutes of a guy making out with a Playboy bunny. Right. And then I, I don't think it was at the end, but the, uh, where um, Kretz's, uh, you know, empire kind of blows up to the credits or whatever. Um, right. Um, because he didn't really want that to be his Yeah, ending. and actually in in, in Redo, uh, that's taken back out again. Yeah. Where, well, where, where I think Kurtz's, it's, uh, yeah, empire he didn't blows want up. that. The, apparently there's a lot of controversy with there actually being two endings in the movie, and he's like, no, we just had to get rid of the set, and we just figured we'd blow it up and just do all this cool stuff with yeah, cameras and, and blow it up, and yeah, why not, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was just more of maybe this is something we could eventually use. Right, right, right. But it wasn't an ending, I don't think. But I think he decided since it was such an apocalyptic ending right. that he didn't want to portray that on the movie. So right, right, right. I think that's why right. he took it out. <laughs> Honest to God, at that point, why do you need to? Uh, so anyway, uh, let's go through the plot for just a minute. Once again, as we always say, if you haven't seen Apocalypse Now, well, first of all, take your shoe off and <laughs> hit yourself over the head with it and then go watch it because you are a dumb douchebag. <laughs> now, uh, we're going to go ahead and go through the movie and there'll be spoilers and stuff throughout, so just, you know... Hopefully, we're not calling it audience douchebag. Oh, I am calling you a douchebag if you haven't seen <laughs> well, this movie. Well, okay, that's true. I'll I'm, I'm, I'm I, can, I feel like that's totally okay. I can reserve that. That is reserved for douchebaggery. That is reserved strictly for the douchebaggery. <laughs> Go right. see Apocalypse well, Now. We, we have uh, Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, Harrison Ford, and yeah. many other randoms. And basically Lawrence the storyline, Lawrence, really young Lawrence 14. Fishburne. 14. He looks like, he looked, he was about the size that you were when I met you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Lanky. And yeah, <laughs> just like lanky and goofy and well, black. And black, exactly. <laughs> yes. Which is weird now. I was like, born as young black child. You truly were. The, it's a good uh, thing you were born young, too. <laughs> not an old black weirder. child. Well, apparently he lied about his age, and he's actually only 14 when he's supposed to be 16. God. So. Cowboy Curtis. Anyway, um, so the basic storyline, uh, Marlon, uh, Marlon uh, Martin Sheen plays um, Willard. A, Willard, Captain Willard, who uh, it, in the beginning of the movie is fucked. I mean, he he's already out of his mind. Mm-hmm. He's been recently divorced. He's obviously into intense drugs and drinking. Well, apparently, and in that out scene, was mind. all improv, and he was actually he drunk. was actually drunk. And they, punched uh, the mirror. A lot of a lot of the uh, people working on the set left. They were like really disturbed by well, it. I think it was one of the last scenes they shot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everyone was spent anyway. But that was it. Where it was like that was the final straw. Where they were like, "Fuck this! This is really, really fucked up." <laughs> so one of the interesting things to think about too. Well, I'll I'll say that in a minute. But but uh, so essentially, I think I know what you're gonna say. He's already he's already nuts. He gets an assignment to go and find Colonel Kurtz, who's played by Marlon Brando. Uh, Marlon Brando doesn't make an appearance in this thing until like the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, but his presence goes to show a great actor. His presence is felt through the entire thing. You hear his voice, you see these photos of well, him. 
I mean, he's from, this ambiance. From what I researched, he was the biggest pain in the ass through this whole thing. He showed up, and he was—he didn't read the Heart of Darkness like he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. He didn't know his lines. He gained 40 pounds <laughs> and showed up, um, and Francis Ford Coppola was just furious with him. Right. And a lot of the time, why he's shot in the dark, I guess, is so they can hide his belly. Because he's uh, he's supposed to be kind of a wiry guy. Right. And so... You mostly just see its face, and you don't really see his torso that much because he's such a fat. You know, though, man. But he's so high. Like I got to, I gotta, I gotta Bruce the shark about this one too, man. That sometimes the mistakes make the movie. Oh, they totally do. I I mean, mean, honestly, you couldn't tell. Yeah, I mean, his performance is phenomenal. I it's mean, it, fucking insane. But it's so good. I, I can't believe it's how good incredible. It is. And the, and the thing is, and it was most of it. He was just arguing with him, like you know, just let me say what I want to, and yeah. just blah 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 and stuff, and. And it's just like, you can you have no clue that any of that shit's going on. Hmm. And it, and it, being it, shot in the dark like that, incredible. it looks fucking amazing. Those are amazing oh, scenes. He's truly incredible in this movie, but what a prick. <laughs> like, I felt bad. Uh, you know, though? Like, I mean, he's like the, the epitome of, like, the worst actor you can deal with, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like it, but at the same time, you just gotta go, well, you know, I mean... He obviously knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. But it's just like, I, you know... So anyway, though, uh, uh, yeah, I think that that ambiance, though, you can feel it oh, through yeah. the movie. And one of the things that was interesting that I was going to mention is that, so this is 1979 this movie was made. Um, it's supposed to take place in 1968. Mm-hmm. So you think about that, and I mean, it's it's I think it's the first movie about Vietnam yeah. made after the Vietnam War. Yeah. And so those are some pretty fresh wounds that they're dealing with there, you know, and and I just I in a history sense, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean it really is, and and so I, I just I thought that was I thought that was really fascinating. Um, I thought the tone of the movie uh, very different, very different than a lot of war movies for sure uh, that you're used to seeing because there. I mean, although in the early scenes with uh, with Robert Duvall, there's some pretty spectacular action sequences. The majority of the yeah, movie is very slow paced. It is. It's, Everything takes for, place in this fog. And for it's, a war movie, it's not that violent, really. Not really. I mean, you know, the violence is all. The violence is all. Uh, it, it, well, but it's there's a tone of violence for sure. But it's not the like there's not in your face close up violence at all, really, until maybe the end, and it's really not shown that much on camera. Like, and I hate to jump to the end um, so quickly, but watching the. <laughs> The animal gets sacrificed oh was the least part of it. And that's hard to watch, too, because you can tell, I mean, that's a real animal being For sure. sacrificed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's hard to watch. It it's, is. It's, it wasn't, like, that was harder than anything. But, you know, a lot of it's just far away, so it yeah. it's not as effective. But it didn't need to be because they're just, like you said, setting a tone. Well, in these repeated scenes of, like, uh, sunken boats and downed choppers hanging in trees that are on fire and just bodies, bodies strewn hanging. about. Like they're always they're always five steps behind these horrible, horrible things yeah. that have happened. And there's something about that and this fog rising off the water that gives you the sense that it's it's so much more about you know, there's other movies that are great morality tales about war and the effects that they have on people that put you in the thick of it. You know, you think of the uh um the, the landing on the beach and, and, and saving Private Ryan. And that's an amazing scene. Sure. But that's one of, of pure chaos in the moment. And Apocalypse Now is more about the chaos after the fact. And I couldn't help Mentally, thinking, yeah. as the first movie made after, after the Vietnam War, about the Vietnam War, rather than try and show 
Like, look how fucking crazy it was. Everybody was getting shot at. Nobody knew what they were doing. It's like, there's a couple moments like that in this, but the majority of it is, is that sort of calm after the storm of just, like, trying to see if everything's okay and, like, what the fuck happened and nobody knows what's going on and, like... It's more there's, the mental anguish that people had suffered throughout the thing, I think. Yeah, you know, exactly. Right? That, that, that must the have still been, been fresh in the minds of everybody, including Coppola, when they made this movie because it has that tone to the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, at least for me, and tell me what you think about this, I, I thought that the most significant uh, theme throughout the entire movie... Um, was really about the more and and it, I mean it goes from the very first uh, voiceover piece that 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 Sheen has, where he talks about you know when I was here all I could think about was being home and when I was home all I could think about was being back in the yep. in the jungle that there's this feeling of fe flexible uh, flexible morality and that. You know, and, and it, there is even in these great scenes that Marlon Brando talks about, like, if if we could just... Where he's talking about the, the classic uh, line about the horror, the horror, and they, they yeah. inoculate the children, they come back the next day, and they had chopped off all the kids' arms. And there's a pile of the arms. The pile of little yeah. tiny arms, and, you know, that he says... And it's the most fucking fascinating scene. <laughs> but he says, uh, you know, at first I just cried. I cried I cried like a little baby. I cried... Like a grandmother. Like a grandmother. <laughs> yeah that this could happen. He's like, and then I was overwhelmed with this idea of like how perfect, how perfect that these men could just do that. And that if we had men that could just do that, this war would be over. Basically. This war would be over, yeah. you know, and that there's something as fucking crazy as that is that that's what war does to people is all of a sudden it's like, you have to take away the judgment. You have to take away everything about you. That's human and say, what do I have to do to make this stop right now? What will that take? And that all the guys that you meet throughout this movie are either succumbing to that mm -hmm. or fighting it in the own way that they can. And that's why there's this awesome... I mean, on the surface, you don't understand Martin Sheen's uh, dilemma because you're like, well, this guy's obviously fucking nuts. Just go kill him, do your job, and go home to your family. Well, but throughout the movie, you see that these things have been happening to his soul also. Yeah, and that's, a, that's what I was just going to say. I think that first scene with Sheen in the hotel room by himself is such an important scene because it really shows that he can relate to Marlon Brando's character. Yes. And he's, and he's discovering that throughout his journey to him, reading about him and saying, you know, he starts to like kind of just look up to the guy. Almost. Yeah, and and understand he's even, it. He's never even met him, you yeah. know? And I think that, that scene is super important to show that he's crazy because as soon as... That scene's over, and he goes to um, the general's house, and mm -hmm. they explain to him what the mission is. He's pretty normal from that point till probably about you know close to where he where he I'll, sees Marlon Brando. I'll actually tell you the scene that he's normal up until when they do the raid on the junk ship, mm -hmm. and Fishburne shoots them all. Yeah, and, the, and he and and then he's like, "We got to get her to a medevac. We got to get her to a medevac," yeah, and, and he just still, shoots her in yeah. the head. You know, and he's like, "I told you not to stop." Well, and all of a sudden, for us as viewers, we're like, oh my god. Like, we suddenly, like you say, he's normal for this huge chunk. We remember who he was when we saw him in that very first scene. Mm -hmm. We remember his him talking about, you know, how many people have I killed? There's those six that I know of that, that were close enough to me that they breathed their last breath on me. You know, you get, you remember that stuff all of a sudden and you're like, fuck, like... Yeah, there's this flexible morality, and you see so much of it. Like, it's one of the things that's so great about, even though, I mean, he's really, 
one of the most fascinating parts of the movie anyway, but but uh, Bobby Duvall. Oh, he's uh, great. <laughs> I mean, fascinating anyway, but but he is such a great uh, character to explain that flexible morality too. For sure. Because they come in, they fucking carpet bomb this place. Just to surf. Just to surf. <laughs> but then he's like yelling at his own men to, to give the guy his own canteen. Because his guts are hanging Because his out. guts are hanging yeah. out, you know? And then later... Uh, they shoot down all those people, and then he the the lady comes up with the baby, and he takes the baby and puts it in his helicopter to send a medevac. And you're just watching it going, you know, but I saw him do this, but then I also saw him throw the fucking playing cards on all the dead bodies so that they yeah. know which battalion killed them all. And you go, I don't get it. None of this makes sense to me. Like, it is. It's a flexible morality. It's like... Sure. Right now, I want to be the nice guy. I want to be a human being, and right now, I have to kill all these people. I, I mean, um, that, that's exactly that's perfect. It really shows that his character. One of my, I mean, not to like kind of belittle what you're trying. to No, do, no, 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 no. It's we're still talking about. I love, it. I love the fact that they keep playing at how much he loves surfing. Oh just, my god, it's I love great. it. Great. No way to take a look at this. You see this? They're breaking both ways. I mean, you can have a guy. You can have a guy going north and a guy going south at the same time. And what do you think of that? Go out there with you know fucking bombs dropping and stuff, oh my and it's god. just like. And you want to surf or you want to fight? <laughs> you can either surf or fight. Those are your options. Oh man, I love that they keep. Pushing that with his yeah. character, I thought that was great. Well, well and I liked, I liked. Uh, there's a great little voiceover bit too of Martin Sheen where he's talking about that, and he says, you know, he's one of these guys that everybody else is jealous of because he has this white light around him. You know that he's going to walk away from this war being fine. Yep. And he's one of the only ones that. Because he and doesn't he's, give a shit. And he's, he's not, not scared. Take, and he's not taking it seriously no. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, even after all he's seen, yeah, he's just standing there talking, and these bombs are just going off in the background. You so. know. And, and uh, that napalm scene obviously is obviously classic. it's classic, yeah. but it's so it is so well done too because he just he's being so serious about it too. And that's, such that's a, his last scene, I think, isn't it? That's the last yeah, time I see him in yeah. the movie. One aspect of the movie that I thought actually was really important that I never really noticed that much before was the music. Like I'm not a huge fan of the Doors really at all, but that song, the end, perfect, awesome, it's perfect. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Doors either, but that song. It's perfect. I, I mean, honestly, the I end at the beginning on the opening, the and then opening they scene. and then they play it at the end just again a little too. bit, but they don't play the chorus. I swear to God, like it is so tied into this movie that when I just hear that song, I feel like I can hear those Bell Hueys. Chop, 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 for sure, you, it well, feels like you can hear them in the song anyway. There's that you know? song, and then when they play the music when they attack that town, the Flight of the Valkyries, Wagner. Yeah, yeah, and then they, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones. They have you know mm-hmm. can't get no satisfaction. You know, big. Th- it, there's parts where it actually plays a pretty big role in the movie. Definitely, it just kind of I think more than anything captures the area of of this of the music and. You know, I, I I just thought I noticed it a lot more this time watching. Definitely, it, so. let's talk for let's talk for a couple minutes about about Brando's performance in this. Um, you know, I, I just you don't. I'm, I'm waiting to see it from somebody nowadays, and, and I don't know that I truly appreciated it when I was younger. And and I think one of the reason why one of the reasons why is because. <clears throat> uh, one of the stigmas about not having grown up in in, in the in the generation of uh, when they were making movies like this mm-hmm. uh, in the seventies, or even if you want to go back to some of the great movies they made in the sixties, is uh, being only uh, thirty years old. I before I saw a lot of these movies, 
I saw stuff on TV shows and comedies Mash. making fun yeah. of these movies. Yeah. Right? Like, I've seen the horror, the horror, and uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning and all that kind of shit in stupid comedies before I ever saw the original movies. Sure. And remember from being a little kid, hearing about Marlon Brando and seeing people doing really stupid imitations of him, The Godfather, like, oh, I'm talking like this, yeah. like, on my daughter's wedding day, and all that. <laughs> that it's probably only been in the last 10, you know, like, 8 to 10 years that I've actually really been able to sit down and watch these movies and, and realize that the genius of somebody like Marlon Brando for what he really is. And seeing him in this movie, I mean, there isn't anything about the way that he talks that should seem menacing. He kind of has this inflection that's this, like, it's not a very deep voice, and he lisps some words, and they sound kind of weird and kind of goofy and, and, and slightly effeminate in a weird way. Yeah. And yet... Everything, the water bowl, the shaking hands, him patting that bald head. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, honestly, the first conversation that he has with Willard, uh, you, you don't even really see his face. You see the top Barely, of his head, yeah. and you see his hands. And he looks like he's about fucking 35 feet tall. His hand, you know what I mean? His hands just look enormous. And and these things that he talked about, like the little clip we put at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, you know, you're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks. Yeah. You know, the, there's all these things, or the the speech we talked about of the, you know, they cut off all the all the arms, and there was a little stack of arms, and that, you know, uh, the stuff about that horror and mortal terror have to be uh, your friends or your worst enemies. Either way, that's what you need them to be, and the performance is so natural that. I don't think about uh, Last Tango in Paris. I don't think about Streetcar Named Desire. I don't think about The Godfather. Mm-hmm. I think this is fucking Colonel Kurtz. For sure. Holy no, fuck, really you know? Good. And without without him uh, playing it to the to the audience in the back, with him just or being Or even the subtle. director. Yeah, or anybody. Yeah, just <laughs> doing his thing, you know? And, and fascinating. I mean, I couldn't... And then when he, when he... And then, like, so you just see him like that, and it's like, oh my God, that's really scary. And then when, uh, uh, when Willard's tied to the tree... And he walks up in the middle of the rain, and he's got the camouflage on, right, yeah. and he just drops Chef's head in his fucking lap. Yep. You're just like, oh my fucking Christ! Like it's the most terrifying thing. But there's well, just completely there's something about that subtlety of the way that he plays that character that is that is like I, like those scenes in particular. I mean, most of the movie I felt this way. Those scenes in particular, though, I was mesmerized. I mean, I just sat. And was like, I'm watching art. This is pure art. This well, could have been its I, own scene. I felt myself turning on the subtitles just to see what exactly he's saying and make sure I'm not missing he's anything. Slurring so much, a little bit, but kinda... more just so I don't miss anything. And yeah, because it seems like a lot of it's just like poetry, you know? Oh it yeah, really oh like yeah. Well, and even speaking of poetry, there's the great uh, part where he's sitting and reading uh, um, from uh, uh, T. S. Eliot, uh, The Hollow Men. We are the hollow right, and our yeah. heads are stuffed with, with straw mm-hmm. and all that. And then you get that awesome, uh, that's a great scene too. And that, that kind of leads me into the other thing, uh, which is uh, uh, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. He's like, Hopper's see, too. he's talking in absolutes, man. He's talking about one, two, three, four. He's not talking about a quarter or an eighth. You can't, you can't go to the moon and land on an eighth, man. You can't do it. It's yes, no, life or death, absolutes, man. And he looks at me, throws the book at him. Like, well, I remember when I 
great, man. Uh, you, you talked about how you're not really, you don't like him that much, and he kind of plays a Dennis lot. Hopper. Yeah, yeah, but I, he, I, he yeah. does a great job. That, that character's its own thing, though, yeah. and that's definitely where it, that seemed to be a jumping point for like for sure. a lot of others. But I remember, I was, yeah, I was watching watching him in Apocalypse Now and looking at, at, at Dennis Hopper and going, "So you did this, and then you're, and then like you know, if we flash forward, like you know." so many years you're doing water world like what speed you know yeah i mean what the fuck? true romance this is true but <laughs> god you know he has so many great parts i love his weird little soliloquy before you meet uh kurt oh it's great and it's he's like intro. i mean he's a poet man that's the thing you got to realize is that like you know you could be he could be walking down the hall and you could say hello to him and he won't say anything to you and then 10 minutes later he'll grab you and throw you up against the wall and say did you know that if is the middle word in life, yeah. man. I mean, man's a genius. Changed my life. And you're just like, wow, yeah. you're fucking nuts. It's almost like a continuation of his character from Easy, Easy Rider. Rider. Yeah, that's yeah exactly it's like, it's like if, if, if he didn't he get... him a photojournalist. Yeah, if he didn't... If, 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 if he would have uh, if he would have not getting, got shot by fucking rednecks, he would have lived to have uh, um, gone off into the jungle and Kurtz. One of the scenes that I thought was really impactful, which I, I didn't even really notice what was really going on until we were closer is when they're pulling up right before you meet Holy him. There's like that fuck. sea of people and painted white. So and terrifying. Like, and, and like they, you're just like, what is that? Are those like buoys or something? Yeah, like, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh God, they're people. They're all people. <laughs> yeah. It's like hundreds of people standing around and you're, then they just break the way for him to go in and you're just like, oh my God. That, that, that uh, uh, five or six minute that. scene <laughs> is phenomenal. I mean, first of all, where they found to shoot it in where there seems to be these canopied trees so it just looks... The asshole a the mile world. tall, like yeah, <laughs> and that's amazing. And like, there's the smoke and everything. And then as you're as they're going in to meet him, and he's like, and then you meet Dennis Hopper, and you're like, what the fuck? And there's bodies hanging from the trees, yep. and then he's like, oh man, you're looking at the heads. I know sometimes it goes too far, man. And all of a sudden you realize, like, oh fuck, those are head. There's heads on the steps on <laughs> yeah. the way up, like fucking terrifying. But just it's, so much of the tone of that of this movie is is set. So pristinely, I mean, from the very first shot, I, I really can't think of. I mean, do, can you think of any particular like pratfalls, like things in it that just didn't work? Not really. I mean, it's slow at parts, but that doesn't bother me. I mean, it's slow it for a reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, and kinda... I think part of, something we probably should talk about just for a minute is you know, since he does spend a lot of time in the boat, but the, some of the characters, like the captain, obviously an yeah, important role. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, chef. What's Lawrence Fisherman's character again? Uh, Mr. Clean. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Clean. Clean. Um, um, surfer Lance. Yeah. Now, Lance is an interesting one. The transformation that he goes through from being this nice, like, innocent, naive surfer kid to basically completely losing his mind. For sure. You know, and he's the I only partly, member of, of... Partly the, of that was... The acid. Drugs. Yeah, yeah but, but even beyond that, like, when Lawrence Fishburne's character gets murdered, and all that Lance is worried about is, where's the dog? Yeah. And it's like, I've done acid. Acid doesn't last that long. <laughs> like, he's, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's on it the night before, and by the next day, he's just completely lost his mind. For sure. And, you know, and then he puts the war paint on, and he's like, and he's just, and then he's actually the one that, that cuts the ox the first time. Or the oh, wilderness or whatever. That's, that's right. him in the loincloth. Remember, he's covered and he in comes blood. Back. He's the only one who, he's the only one who lives. So that's right. But he's covered in blood and he's See, wiping blood all over I the wilderness. I wasn't sure if that was him or if that was the guy who went AWOL the first time when he got there. No, because that guy had a handlebar mustache. Okay. Because I, I remember that that was one thing that when I was really young, 
uh, which <laughs> the first time I saw this, I was probably 11 years old. Which, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, but I remember that, that was one of the things that, that really fucked me up the most was that there was this nice, like, blonde, fun-loving surfer kid in the beginning, and by the end he's wearing this loincloth and covered in blood and <laughs> killing this fucking animal, and I'm just like, I don't ever want to go to war. <laughs> I remember the, the same year that I watched that, uh, I watched... Uh, it was just like I had free reign at my dad's house when I go and visit him. I'm like, hey, so I watched that and I watched Full Metal Jacket. And I was convinced, like, if we go to war and they enlist the draft, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm not going to do well, it. Well, um, so many things that, um, that, I, what, that I found researching this and makes me wonder what Coppola, you know, how he could ever make another movie. Um, you know, Sheen has a heart attack on set, apparently. He had a heart attack in yeah, the like, part of like, making yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. literally. And he was in the hospital. And I guess his brother, uh, I think it's Joe Estevez, talks just like him and looks kind of like him. So they used him for some of the shots and wow. some of the voiceovers. Um, 16 months it took to film. It was supposed to take six weeks. 16 months. Holy shit. Coppola lost 100 pounds shooting this. 100 pounds. Well, didn't a bunch... And there was one thing, a bunch of members of the cast got dysentery. Yeah. Like, people got, like, fucking insanely sick. A typhoon destroyed a lot of the sets. (laughs) Um, Brando, like I said, uh, you know, gained 40 pounds, didn't do anything. (laughs) It just makes me think, like... Is it, you know, what else? 200 hours of footage? Like, I'm like, was this really worth it? And find out this is one of his top five films of his own that he made he's like this is one of my favorite movies that i've made it's just like I, you know after all that you're just like fuck i would never want to make a movie again it's a fucking great movie. oh it's it's incredible but you know? the experience itself i'm sure is a unique well and it goes back to what i say a lot of time which is like come on guys you're just making a fucking movie but uh, like yeah. don't kill anybody but you know? the, yeah <laughs> no of course at the same time you're just like man that's got to take a toll he probably didn't make another movie for a long time oh fucking hey so man. but uh i just thought that was pretty crazy but uh i, I kind of wondered just to end it out there the uh i'm wondering if because he weight he gained so much weight for the role uh-huh. without telling coppola and just showing up uh-huh. if that's why they sacrificed a cow <laughs> 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 just as a little dirty joke <laughs> At the same time where he dies. No, so. I think it has to do with the loss of <laughs> innocence. I don't know. Okay. All right, so let me give you this really quick before we go to a break. Redo. Okay, yeah, let's get. Let's hear with that. With the, like, 46, 47 extra minutes. Ouch. Does it work? Does it all work? Bullshit. Is it? <laughs> it is bullshit. Um, one of the big things that you notice that happens, um, and there's stuff about it that's okay, and then it goes into this whole thing that's not even fucking worth it um uh they end up at uh this is after the whole playboy scene with Uh the chopper and all that they end up at another base where the commanding officer has been killed and they don't know and everybody's kind of like everybody's just on drugs and drunk and 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 there's like a rainstorm and nobody knows who's in charge and that's where the uh playboy bunny helicopter had landed and he trades like a barrel of of uh fuel for them to be able to fuck the Playboy bunnies, and it's it turns into this like Benny Hill, fucking TNA like, just it's stupid. Yeah. The movie like for a second, and this shit happens, and there's a bunch of tits. So it's and, not like, it's not worth watching. No, 
No. No, not at all. It's actually, it actually kind of makes you go, wow, that probably should have ended up on the cutting room floor. Then uh, it picks back up again. Which Everything's fine. I guess it did, but yeah, yeah. like leave it there. Then, yeah. You know, like especially after all this time, like especially leave it there. <laughs> I don't do that. That's why I made DVD. Yeah, that's it, some fucking George Lucas oh. shit. We don't need to do that. So anyway, um, then, um, uh, in the scene where Mister Clean uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character dies, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, can if I I can interject this really quick, and this is in the original version. I just forgot to mention it before, but how fucking brilliant to have him killed and then his body's laying there and that tape of his mom talking is still oh yeah yeah fucking oh man that just hit it out of the park for sure that's the kind of shit at first i was like what is that what is that remember and even listened to it when they got the mail like oh it's great anyway of course they have to get the mail too right before of course they do and he's listening to it that's great so uh (laughs) anyway then right after that in the redo version all of a sudden they meet uh these french plantation owners (laughs) <laughs> they meet these French plantation owners and they go in and they're like, one of our men has been shot, he's dead. So they have a funeral for him there. And then they all go inside and they have dinner with this French family of all these people, the all the whole bunch of new characters. There's a guy playing an accordion and they're all arguing about like America and like they're bad and they shouldn't be in this war. And they're all arguing and a bunch of times they're speaking in French and there's no subtitles. They're just talking and it just <laughs> keeps showing close-ups of Martin Sheen's face like, watch them top this goes on for 20 minutes oh man 20 minutes so you think about the original the the the, the version you saw the real version not really <laughs> yeah which starts to make you realize why it's in french because there's <laughs> fucking like a half an hour of french people in it for no reason um we get in the regular version lawrence fishburne dies Next thing that happens, they start getting attacked by the arrows, yeah. right? We go right there. We're like, boom, 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 boom. No, this one, we get a dinner scene that lasts for 20 minutes, and then Martin Sheen has sex with some lady there. They smoke some opium. <laughs> They're getting high. They're talking about stuff. More TNA. This time, a little bit of bush. Yeah. For no fucking reason. And then they leave. Well, I'm glad. I, I mean, it's seriously. I'm glad you told me not to watch it. Dude, it's I'm like it's like the boat motored onto the another fucking set of some other movie that just happened to be they happened to be filming there. Weird. That is weird. And the weirdest part to think about is it's like there's these long monologues with these actors, these mm-hmm. French actors talking about you Americans in here in Vietnam and you don't understand, which is my Frenchy accent. But <laughs> and then you think about it and you go, that person like, they learned those lines, they went in, they fucking sat through auditions, they finally like, I'm in a Coppola movie, I'm in a Coppola movie with Marlon fucking Brando, and it sat on a cutting room floor, <laughs> like, he wasn't in the fucking ads, he wasn't on the movie posters, like, nothing, for like, what, like, fucking 21 years? That's insane. God, anyway, don't even bother. Okay. Well, now that good. I have it, like, I'm going to have to get rid of it that's, and get the regular version. That's good to know. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. Okay, it's totally well. not worth it, so. Oh, hey, me too. Not as much as me. Well, it's because I, I didn't get greedy. You're talking I, I too only, much. No, I only wanted to drink enough so that I could get a good resonance from it. Okay. Well, All right, uh, anyway, we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to listen to the band Summer of Killing Flies. The song is called Kicking Backwards. When we come back... We're going to review Gremlins. Excellent. All righty.
Hello. Uh, You're now back. Real quick, before we get into the extension of the Joe Dante, yes. um, have you list, watched Delta Farce yet? Not yet. It's it's coming. It's coming this week. Okay. So it'll be ready for next episode. For those who don't know, Sherlock oh, is God. doing Delta Farce for a punishment review. Oh, fuck. Um, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it it's, it's, <laughs> yeah it's going to be, oh, fuck, dude. It's going to be a Larry the Cable Guy movie. <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs> Good luck. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, like what I don't know what I'm gonna it's do. Possible deathbed could be better. See, there's different. It's, it's all the different levels of bad movies. Yeah. And a movie like Deathbed, I'd watch it again right now. Yeah. Like not even as a punishment review, I'd totally watch <laughs> yeah. it again just because it's so fucking in, like insanely stupid. But yeah. like, there's nothing worse than when you. It's this. It's the reason why I don't go to comedy clubs. <laughs> right. Is because you just go. But if I'm there, and they're person's bad it's gonna be 10 times as bad because they're gonna be wanting you to laugh yeah <laughs> that's the fucking worst thing in the world man is when somebody's like not funny and they're wanting you to like hey <laughs> you know like that's that's the most punishing thing in the world that's the larry the cable guy movie oh god get it. how many okay you know what i'm gonna make a list of how many times this is get her done <laughs> okay do it okay <laughs> take a tally i will oh man i'm gonna need i'm gonna need a really big sheet of paper for that. <laughs> okay. okay, so, Gremlins. Dante, third movie, Gremlins. Gremlins. Um, wh- when was the last time we saw this movie? You know, it would have to have been, it would have to have been when I was a kid. It would have to have been when I, like, had, like, a, the, got the Gremlins toys and mm-hmm. stuff, and I had the little uh, um, gizmo that you put the batteries in it, and, like, it, like... And walks yeah. around and opens and he's shuts so its eyes. Cute. Oh, he's adorable! <laughs> he's adorable. Him. Squeeze him. Um. So yeah. So this is uh. What what year? Nineteen. It's eighty. I want to say eighty-two, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Something like and, that. And uh, yeah, Joe Dante once again. Um, uh, Phoebe Cates. Uh, Corey Feldman's in it. I don't know the main guy's name. <laughs> Billy. Yeah, Billy. Billy. The inventor dad. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> he's been in a ton of stuff. <laughs> Only the guy could place him in was Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> I don't know why I can place that. I think he's like... See, I know I've asked lots of times why I do a podcast with you. <laughs> that, my friend. That is why I do a podcast with you. Oh, it's because like you've never you... seen an Ernest movie. But I wouldn't... You're like, you know the only movie I could place him in? <laughs> Ernest Goes to Jail. Well, I think awesome. he's one of those guys that's like in every Ernest movie. Like, he goes to camp and he's the cook. Right. <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> You know, okay, I could see that. Like that. I could see that. But anyways, that's only. Uh, one but he was one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> so the whole basis of the movie is basically that, uh, yeah, this guy who's an inventor, um, uh, it, uh, fantastic, fantastic things for a fantastic world. Something isn't that? His, <laughs> yeah, some, that's his like card or whatever. Yeah. Um, He's got some clever ideas. Yeah, he basically talks. Uh, uh, the son of this of the, the creepy Asian shopkeeper yeah. uh, into uh, get it, giving him this uh, pet this mogwai um, to for his son for uh, Christmas mm-hmm. and uh, yeah then the, the the he doesn't follow the three rules which is not to get him wet never take him into sunlight and and uh, never feed, feed him, him after midnight. You know what I think is funny is through most of the movie they're pretty hard up for cash, but he has no problem throwing down two hundred bones for this gremlin. Yeah, what the hell is <laughs> that? Yeah, I know. So here's a hundred. All right, two. Yeah. Whoa, whoa! You're apparently, doing pretty good. Apparently, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> he's already got a dog. He's he got really a second needs this life thing. Like, yeah. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, and so craziness and mayhem ensues, and the gremlins uh, take over the so, small town. And Does it hold the nostalgia like the other Joe Dante movies? No. No, it doesn't. No, not even. I can, I can answer that like that. Nope. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> I don't think multiple so Multiple things I have problems with with this movie. Okay, first of all, as a kid, like I said, I, I you know, I mean, they merchandise the fuck out of this movie. Like, oh, yeah. Sleeping bags and backpacks and fucking breakfast cereals and toys. And, you know, I think there was a video game, yeah. like all sorts Which, of shit. Before you say anything else, this was rated PG. And I, that yeah. may be what you're getting at. This <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Um, I, I'm this, not sure. This Let's see. Um, I think there were 10 murders. <laughs> In this movie? I honestly was waiting for one of them to strap a belt around the wrist. Or and shoot her on their I know, arm right. and start doing hair. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, so first problem, there's like ten murders in this movie. And like, and still, like, as people are being murdered, there's the music playing. And yeah. I'm like, this isn't fun for me anymore. Like, this is kind of <laughs> fucked up. Like, all these people are dying. Like, I, you know... I guess uh, the, you don't think about it when you're a kid watching I guess it. not, but I don't think that... I mean, I can't... Can you think of another movie that was... Uh, I mean, you you think about it. Even in Star Wars, like, this, you don't really think about the people dying because you're like, oh, they're stormtroopers. They're movie, not real people. This is like elderly people getting thrown out of windows. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> this movie and Temple of Doom were the two movies that kind of sparked the PG-13, like, I think rating, you're right, yeah. Because... Um, because it obviously is not good for kids, just like parental guidance, you know? Like, yeah. There's seriously parts where I'm the, just like, fuck. Like, the guy in the Santa suit gets like mauled to death by a group of grandmas. <laughs> and how, like, badass and brutal is the mom? Like, in the kitchen. Oh my god! She throws him in the microwave. That's the best part of the movie, oh, I think. Easily. That's the best part of the movie. The is, blender. Is that. She, she just full on psycho knifes him with a knife. And no, she doesn't even. Like, no, the, the best part about that scene is she doesn't even wait to see, like, what it is or what it's. No. Like. She just sees it in there and is like. Oh, and like, yeah, starts stabbing it and turns like the blender on. Like, yeah. Yeah, the one in the microwave and its fucking head explodes. Like. <laughs> There's some pretty well, and then and then the, really the first uh, on-screen death is this is the science teacher mm -hmm. who's like you know has the the needle sticking out well, of his ass and is like mauled. I read this on IMDb, but apparently he originally had multiple of the multiple of those in his face, but they changed it because he didn't think it was <laughs> kid friendly enough. <laughs> apparently, not. oh my god. Well, I have um, a question for you since uh, you're the one who uh, came up with the whole Joe Dante Film Festival. Yeah. Two of these movies so far have not really held that much nostalgia. Why are we doing a Joe Dante film festival? <sighs> because because the Burbs does kick ass. That's true. All right. You, and and the that. and the even a movie like this uh, that maybe it doesn't hold up the nostalgia. You gotta give it to him for what he was willing to do. Like but especially the, at the fact time. That, yeah. yeah, the fact that like. And even though, I, and I mean, it, I'm saying this because it's a fucking ridiculous part in the movie, and I was like, oh, like, oh my god, I'm rolling my eyes. But still, like the bar scene where there's the oh, one, and it's doing, and it's it's doing flash dance. Like, why did you put that in? Like, that's well, insane. Well, I guess that's my main. I guess that's why I want to do a Joe Dante film festival. Is that here's a guy where people were giving him money and saying like, go make a, mo uh, a major motion picture. And he was doing it, and they were they were really popular. I mean, I don't totally. think I don't think that any of the movies that we that we reviewed or that we're going to review except for the Howling, tanked. maybe. Well, the Howling still though. I mean, it spawned like five fucking sequels. Like it made That's money, true, you yeah. know. That even with all those things, 
and it making a bunch of money, there's parts in it where you watch it and you go, if I was a mate, if I made mo major motion pictures and I didn't care, I'd do that shit. I'd have the gremlins do a fucking flash dance scene because I'd think it'd be fucking funny. Well, and it's you funny. know what I mean? Well, it's and like, these are movies that we remember, you know, just completely yeah. loving. And so. there's something about going back and seeing them that it's like, it doesn't hold up in the way of it being like that it's like creepy or like, whoa, or anything like that. Or, yeah. But that there's parts in it where you just got to fucking laugh and be like, like, like the scene where Phoebe Kate suddenly talks about her dad getting stuck in the chimney dressed up as Santa. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere. Like, the movie screeches it's to totally a halt. out of nowhere. And she does, and, but the best part about that, the best part about that, when we review uh, Gremlins 2, the new batch, when we get to that later with another, when we do our sequels... Episode 200. Uh, when we get our sequels uh, 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 film festival going, is that that's act, there's something that happens in that movie that's a punchline for her part talking about <laughs> Santa and the chimney and it being her dad. It's amazing. So, and once again, Joe Dante, again, amazing that he made fun of himself from the first movie by doing something similar to it in the well, second one. Well, the backtrack for a minute, uh, for going to that bar scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is she the only person not scared of these and she decides to just serve them drink and light their cigarettes? Yeah, like, I couldn't what? figure that out either. Like, why is... Like, she's not scared, really. Well, she's, like, kind of, but, like, she's like, okay, here's another shot of whiskey and yeah. here's a lighter. You know, it's just like, what? There's, like, literally, like, dozens of these things yeah. going crazy in your bar and you're serving them drinks. Yeah, you're serving... Like, well, she's a good bartender. She's a really good bartender. She's loyal. She's very loyal, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and another part in that scene, and here's 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 one that I I've got a question for you about. Okay, there's two two gremlins in particular in the bar scene that I have uh, I take a little issue with. The first one is the one that's in drag for some reason. <laughs> yeah, is it? I mean, they they reproduce by they okay, and and this and this works for both of the gremlins and and my question about them, um, and I realize that I'm splitting the fucking tiniest of hairs here because of the movie we're talking about. But still, right. like, you know, it just makes you wonder. That's a trend with these movies. Yeah, something that makes you wonder is they reproduce by water, right? That's yeah. how they reproduce. But beer, yeah. beer is everywhere. Beer is everywhere, they first of all. They snow. Snow they're is fine. a form of water. Yeah, they they're fall. fine. I, th I wrote that down, actually. Yeah, I wondered that, too. Why can't they But here's the thing, that? okay, if they reproduce that way, why is one of them in drag? <laughs> I mean, is it just a, a transvestite or, like, what... Is that all? Like, why if they don't if they can't procreate that way? So there's that question, and then the second one is if they procreate that way, so they don't have any sexual organs. Why is the one flashing her with the trench coat on? That's right. What is that all about? What's he and flashing? What that none of them what, are. What kid is going to catch that reference? It's like when they have like a cartoon or a kid show, and they have like somebody do a James Cagney impersonation. I'm like, is is this for like? 50-year-old, like, mentally deficient people that are watching this and, like, that sure. think they're a little kid and they're like, I remember, I remember, yeah, you dirty rat. Like, is that what, like, what is like, that for, for? For being a species that was multiplied, like, that night, yeah. like, days later, yeah. they, they have their finger on the pulse of culture. Yeah, topical somehow, humor. yeah, somehow they know. <laughs> like, one of them's, like, got, like, the, the gay biker hat on. Like, what, where did you get this stuff? They, I mean, we should have at least seen the scene where they raided a prop shop before they went into the bar, <laughs> right? I, I mean, and I know, I mean, it's fucking gremlins and like, I know, yeah. you know. Okay, another great one. We were talking about how cute Gizmo is, right? <laughs> I would have loved. That's one thing I'd like to try and find on YouTube or see in like a deluxe edition of the <laughs> DVD for Gremlins is 
Can we please see scenes of Howie Mandel, who did the voice right. for Gizmo? He did the voice. the voice for Gizmo. Like, I, that would probably be more scary than any fucking monster <laughs> in the movie. I mean, right? Oh, totally. Uh, let's see. What else do I have written down here? Um, I think Barney the dog is the best actor in the whole movie. <laughs> Phoebe Cates is hot, I'm sorry. Phoebe Cates is she, fucking insanely hot. She is. She's doing well for herself. I know. Every time every time I see her, I, I just think of that scene in uh, Fast yeah. Times at Ridgemont. It's hard not to. It's it was really hard not to. It by Christopher Columbus. Not the guy who not <laughs> discovered America, but... Yeah, it's really weird. They found they found some documentation, uh, you know, from... Uh, he wrote that on the Santa Maria on yeah, the way over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hundreds of years old. Buried. <laughs> buried. They just treasure. decided... The weird part is he had all this stuff with cars and the electric chair buried that goes up and down the stairs. And, yeah, buried treasure. <laughs> um, oh, the dude that's the sheriff's deputy is the bad guy from Beverly Hills Cop. And uh, what's what was the, the other one? That the we... drunk guy, um, his neighbor. He's the guy in Explorers, and he's also in the, Interspace. the cab driver in Interspace. Yep, same dude. Um, Joe Dante Love. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. When uh, when the one gremlin becomes a gremlin in the scientist uh, in in the yeah. science teacher's uh, 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 classroom, mm-hmm. the film strip that they were watching made me go. I wonder if that's where he got the idea to do Interspace. Because it shows a heart, and then it shows all these close-ups of the ventricles working. And it totally made me think about those scenes from, mm-hmm. from Interspace. I wonder if maybe uh, there was something like, you know... I don't know. It was just kind of interesting. It's funny because it's like a, a reference, but almost a backwards reference. You know what I mean? Because it was a later movie, but... And as as much as uh, you know, we're talking a little shit on this movie. They actually do look pretty scary. They look fucking great. The special <laughs> yeah. effects yeah. stuff. I mean, occasionally you can see like a stick that you know is one of the gremlins' arms yeah. or whatever. But like even the stuff where where uh, it jumps into the pool in the YMCA and it starts bubbling up, it looks really creepy because sure. like those green lights start moving and the pool starts bubbling more yeah. and more. And then you know it's a calm before the storm. Yeah, it's like it's that. pretty cool. Um, I like, they do a lot of shit too, and like they go to the movies. They yeah you know, they yeah go to the toy store. They they you know throw Mrs. Deagle out the window like you said. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, like she probably deserved it, but man. What well, the I like well, another another great little touch like that. Joe Dante touches when the fucking uh, the chair, the electric chair, goes all the way up to the top of the stairs. And she, there's all those huge portraits on the wall. Yeah. She hits the last one and it turns a little bit. And the portrait is of this guy, like, uh, like looking at her going out the window, like it's this face, like one specifically of, looking over. It's one really of my funny. Scenes. <laughs> well, not my. Uh, you know, one of the stupid parts that I thought was funny was the tiny little part that Judge Reinhold has. And he asked Phoebe Cates on a date. He's like, come on, we're talking cable here. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Come on over and see my new place. We're talking cable. Like, whoa. And that's funny, too, because you think about both of them. My pussy is soaking. Right. You think about the two of them together in in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, that's another, yeah. That's probably how we got the job. Probably. (laughs) Probably, Because he has cable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we end, I want to ask you a question. Have, okay. you, have you watched the preview for The Howling yet? No. It's pretty fucking retarded. Is it? <laughs> but it has potential to be good. I think you probably will enjoy it more than I will. That's his prediction. Oh, well, we'll see. I'm excited. But, uh, so that's this next week. We'll do The Howling. We'll do The Howling, and we'll save the burbs for the last one. Yeah, because I've watched the burbs so many times. Yeah. I, I, have, yeah, I have no qualms about it okay. being the best one. But You got any um, more? I don't think so. I think that was everything. I I, I guess uh, 
the main thing I'd say about it, about Gremlins, is that at the end of the day, it's really just a pretty, pretty great, like, B-movie, cheesy, like, you know, it, it's a throwback to the B-movies from the 1950s of, like, you know, there's giant ants and they attack a town, you know, kind of a thing. It's like, oh, they're Gremlins. And then the, everything else about it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. You know, none of, none of the other shit in it. Just, yeah. And there's lots, I mean, even still with how cheesy it is, like, there's tons of little awesome, like, tidbits with all the inventions that the dad makes of the bathroom buddy and, like, all that stuff's really great. And yeah. it's stuff that doesn't need sure. to be the, in there to move the story along, but it's fun little... I like the dad a lot. It seems like that with most of Joe Dante's movies, what they're about is incidental to what he's going to do to it. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I like, totally all right, that. here's the plot, here's the stuff that's going to happen, now I'm going to throw all these awesome characters in here, you know, and that, that shit's yeah. great. So. Special effects, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's and a good way to put it. most of the people that die kind of deserve it. <laughs> There's a lot of douchebags. Except for the science teacher, he was a nice guy. He was a nice guy. He was a nice guy. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and listen to the song, and then we'll be back uh, with our top five Martin Sheen rolls. Okay. Uh, this is uh, uh, the song The Sleep by the band Sleeping Bag. It was on the uh, uh, Slug Death by Salt uh, Volume 3, I believe. Okay. So we'll check that out, and we'll be right back. Yeah. 
Sheen was born before. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that. Emilio, are you talking? Or... Well, no. Okay, so well, he would have to have been before born before they did Apocalypse Now. They did it in '79, so he was yeah, born of course, before that. Yeah, definitely. I'm just wondering though, like, you know, they refer to Charlie a lot in the in the movie. I wonder if that was a <laughs> soft spot. <laughs> Charlie don't surf. Yeah. Right. It's true. I'm just wondering. I don't know. I uh, I know I've seen an um, interview with Charlie Sheen talking about when his dad had a heart attack and how hard it was for him to to you know go to the hospital and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I know he was obviously alive. Well, yeah, he had of course the heart he was. Attack, but, yeah. But, uh, um, no, Emilio Estevez. What's the relation there? Is it they're brothers or half brothers? I know they're half. I know Martin Sheen's both their dad. Yeah. So who's Estevez? He looks who's exactly that? like both of them. Yeah. But they look kind of different. Estevez. It makes you appreciate, like, uh, how do you come up with Charo, like Charles and Emilio? I don't know. Right. Different moms, I guess. Like, must have been her idea. <laughs> But I, I, I was wondering how that worked out. Yeah, yeah. So but it makes brother. you appreciate works like Men at Work, where, oh. they, where they combine forces. Right, right, yeah. You gotta love that shit. Vigilante trash men. <laughs> Alright, so our top five list this week is top five Martin Sheen movies. You gotta appreciate a wonderful actor. Right. Um, you know, I noticed a lot of his movies I haven't seen. Or There maybe, is a lot of stuff I like. He's just done a too. lot of shit, though, you know, I think. And, um... I kind of just, how did you compile your list? You know, it just, uh, mostly the you know, going through it, like I said, there's a lot of TV stuff, you know. And, yeah. And it seems like he's in a lot of stuff, but it's, you know, the ones I picked out are probably pretty obvious, you know. I think mine might be kind of too. Uh, I really just picked out the ones that were my favorite. But exactly, just, you, and know. The, you know, and the whole point of this top five is to talk about movies that we would normally just talk about and just, you know, right, bullshit right. about. Exactly. So, uh, uh, do, you, do you want to start with your number five? I will. Um... My number five, and I don't think this is a movie that you've seen, but it's Talk to Me. That uh, one with oh, uh, uh, Don Cheadle is the I radio seen that. personality guy. It's yeah. a really good movie. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But uh, Martin Sheen's actually the, the station, radio station manager. And, you know, nothing 
totally just crazy amazing, but I really enjoyed his performance. He did, you know, he's Martin Sheen. He's, you know, he's always right, right, right. He's always sure. pretty terrific, but awesome movie. That's more of why I wanted to talk about it because it's such a really cool movie. I've wanted to see it. I've heard it was really. It's good. really good. I, I, I enjoyed it, especially if you, you know you love the, the Cheadle. I love the I love the, I love me some. I was going to say the Cheeds, but that doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> sounds kind of weird. Yeah, sounds like a sex trick. The Cheeds. You <laughs> know you love the Cheeds. No, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it, and you know it's you know it's kind of like a, you know, you kind of get the Good Morning Vietnam kind of vibe where nobody wants him to do it because he's so racy or whatever. But then yeah, because it's supposed to take place. In he's like so the, controversial. It takes place like in the. 70s or something? Or? I don't know. He's got an afro and some sweet suits, so that's all I It <laughs> must be something like that. <laughs> Mid-70s. But, it, but uh, you know, it's I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. We'll have to check that What's out. What's your number five? Uh, my number five is actually The Departed. Um, that is that is on, on my list? list? Yes, it is. And he's uh, Captain... Well, well, Queenan. Queenan, yeah. And that's What's just... your five? Yeah. And, well, and, and uh, I mean, I, I loved I loved the performance. I thought it was cool to see him, uh, you know, especially thinking about it now after watching Apocalypse Now, like, that uh, of him... You know, the a- actors, as they get older, can kind of do one of two things. They can keep trying to do the shit they did when they were younger, mm-hmm. and it starts to fall flat and get really weird and doesn't work, or they can accept the fact that... You know, like if you were a Shakespearean actor and you started to get older, like you wouldn't try and go do Romeo again. You'd be like, "Okay, it's time for King Lear. Good deal. All right, let's. I'm going to move into this and really make it work." And he, I think he did a great job as 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 the captain. I, oh, I just incredible. like he this was... fatherly kind of, of of warm figure that you really liked a lot. You know, for sure. No, he was. Yeah, he was one of the. I mean, that whole movie is full of great acting. But I mean, he's definitely stuck it out. And he was probably one of those guys on set where. Everyone looks up to him. Kind yeah, of, you know, yeah, exactly. And well, just like I grew up watching you. So and 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 much in the same way, uh, you know, looking at Apocalypse Now, where Brando is was kind of like the the sort of like star actor where you knew that he was going to do this thing, and so you just relied on it. And you didn't even have to think about what kind of performance he was going to bring. Mm-hmm. You know, in a movie like Departed, Sheen's a, able to be that kind of guy now, where it's just like he is going to be this rock in the movie that, 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 that you don't have to worry about. He's going to be this good guy. You For know? sure. He's terrific in it. And that's really cool. That's So that Departed was on your list? It is. It's my number one, actually. Oh, shit. I'm that's sorry. Cool. No, that's all right. Yeah, I, I really, really like that performance. And um, Actually, no, I'm sorry. That was my number two. But, oh. um, but no, it was great. Um, yeah, he was great. And him and... I thought the chemistry between him and Mark Wahlberg were, was awesome. Because <laughs> you know, yeah, you're watching it going... How are these two guys like? Exactly, but at the same time, you're just like, he's put up with his shit for so long. He's just. He's you know, totally. To yeah, he doesn't. He never tries to pull in the reins. He just lets him do his thing. No, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great performance. Do you want to go with your number four? Uh, my number four is um, when he plays Roger Strong in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, that one almost made it on my list. He's I like a, that one. Amy a lot. Adams' dad, he's like the Southern guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, does, he does a really good job. He's a lawyer or whatever. And. I like how that's the the part of the movie where he makes him take the bar exam so he can get on with it. Yeah. And I like this doesn't really have anything to do with Martin Sheen, but the fact that he didn't cheat on the bar exam to to pass it or whatever. And yeah. Like, well, and that kind of, but it does that that kind of pushes itself back to the idea that he respected this guy. Exactly. You know, like, you to know actually do it. He just did a good job. He had a really good accent, and uh, you know, he just he did a great job. Well, and a lot. That's one of those where he pops up for like. 
you know, 20 minutes. And well, like, and even a lot of these movies, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess actually most of the ones on mine, he's the main character. But, you know, in a lot of movies, he shows up as sort of like the second tier character. But once again, he's just, he's this rock. Like, he's going to do exactly. this thing. Well, and, and I like, have that written down. Uh, men in power roles, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, he's, he's playing presidents and things. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number four is actually, uh, I don't remember what year. I think it's like mid-80s, uh, The Believers. Oh, I've never seen it. Uh, it's a it's a it's a pretty awesome uh, kind of horror movie um, about voodoo, and he plays this uh, psychiatrist who's helping out with these voodoo related murders, and so he is inv helping investigate it, and he gets like brainwashed by this voodoo cult, and they want him to like sacrifice his own son. And there's some pretty creepy stuff in it. It's super cheesy, but like yeah. he's great in it, and uh, he really holds the movie. And and I, you know, if it had been somebody else, the movie probably would have seemed a lot cheesier. But you know, he just fucking great actor, and so he he was able to 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 move it into a, a different area. But there's a, it's I don't know for those for those of you out there who remember the movie The Believers, you know why I put it on my list because there's definitely I have a soft spot in my heart for <laughs> cheesy horror movies from the 80s man and it's a really good one and it's voodoo <laughs> there it's you creepy go. yeah <laughs> alright um, my number three is probably the older the oldest performance I have of him it's Kit and Badlands <sighs> it's my know. number one is it? Okay. yeah um, it's great it's, it's great it's an old Terrence Malick Mm -hmm. movie, uh, based on the Starkweather murders uh, based okay. on the Charles Starkweather yeah, and awesome. uh, the same time as another funny kind of link to that you know, Starkweather is the reason why Springsteen put out the uh, record Nebraska. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the, about the Charles Starkweather. No or some of the, about half the songs are sort that. of about the Charles Starkweather uh, murder spree. But then Springsteen uh, put out a, uh, a song uh, called Badlands. And right. it was actually supposed to be for that movie. And ended up not being for well, it. came out around the same time, too. Nebraska yeah. did, huh? Well, well, no, Nebraska is actually later, but uh, the song Badlands was oh, okay. from uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. was supposed to be on this, and then that ended up not working, and so you he know, did another movie that he did a soundtrack for. But I was wondering if uh, Oliver Stone watched this movie before he made Natural Born Killers, because the yeah. story's kind of similar. Well, and once again, so, sort of based upon not the same... Not nearly as, like, you know... It's all, all kind of based on the Charles Starkweather murders of, like... And, I mean, the, the character of Kit that, that Martin Sheen plays, I mean, he plays it fucking to the nines of oh, who Charles Starkweather was. This, this like, downtrodden, like, not very smart, he like, looked like he should crazy be kid. Yeah, crazy greaser kid who, who uh, envisioned himself to be James Dean. Mm -hmm, and totally. that's exactly who Charles Starkweather was, too. And I and who is it? Uh, Sissy Spacek? Yeah. Yeah, God, they just do a great job. I, I, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's really good, though. It's a great one. And, and he's... Vicious. I mean, he is really spooky in it. Like he well, does yeah, such a great the end, job. Like, fuck, dude, you're crazy. Yeah, you're so. fucking out of your mind. Like, now it's a good one, and I, I got Kit. <laughs> so, um, I did my. You, you took my number two, so go ahead. And uh, I'll do my number three. Uh, the Dead Zone, where uh, he plays the uh, senator who's uh, running for president. Uh -huh. That. Uh, Seems really, and he does a great job because he seems really nice and and uh, even killed. And you're like, oh, this guy's be a great president. And then you start seeing this behind the scenes kind of stuff, and it works really well because it's uh, based on a Stephen King book, where Christopher Walken has a uh, uh, gets in a car wreck and he can he can like if he shakes somebody's That's hand, right. he can envision stuff from the future, and he envisions that 
that Martin Sheen's character is going to, be, is going to uh, pretty much cause World War Three. Mm. That he does become president and that he becomes this like crazy evil, evil guy. Yeah. And at first you're like, no, not really. But then you get these like snippets of, of Martin Sheen when he's away from all the people and some of the shit that he says and some of the <laughs> stuff that he does, you're like, this guy's a fucking douchebag. But I it's great think, because I don't he. Know if I've seen that movie. I'll, I'll send you home with it. It's 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 pretty cool, man. Like it's it's dated, you know. But like, yeah. I mean, you got you got Christopher Walken and Martin Sheen. Like it's it it really is actually a pretty cool movie. Cool. Um. So yeah, that's my number three. All right, my number one is could be your, your number two or whatever, but it's Wall Street. I actually left it off so you could do one you and did? I could do okay. one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's. It's great. Uh, I mean, he plays obviously Charlie Sheen's dad. Uh, yeah. What his name is Carl Fox, or Bud Fox's dad, or whatever. But obviously, it's his dad in real life, and that's actually the interview where he says, uh, where he talks about his. Have you ever watched all of Oliver Stone movies? You're like, oh, that was really good. But then you watch the documentaries that are on the extras. Mm-hmm. They really make the movie just a hundred times better because really? he just, he really just like. Like the way he films and his like thought process on set is just insane. Like he puts these people through hell, but for good reason. And it turns out, you know, it's just I, there's same thing with the platoon DVD. Like it has this. I watched those. Yeah, I made yeah, you watch it because yeah. I think it was mine. You watched. Mm-hmm. Like, Make sure you watch. Yeah, that and documentary. that was and nuts. Like, Fuck. And that's actually funny. Everybody remember that we're talking about this now about platoon and the things that he made the actors go through because. Uh, it's going to have something to do with the movie we're going to do next week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he put these guys out in the jungle and just But anyways, but I just remember his performance was really awesome like that. And obviously it's probably not very hard to play his dad or whatever, but... They but there's a, really a cool subtext there of these sure. two guys that are both actors and do a great job. Well, and he plays the whole... Um, this is probably the only one where he's not really a man in power, and he's more of a guy who, um, you know, who's... He fixes airplanes and his and his son's the man in power kind of thing. It's in, yeah, it actually kind of reminded me of the kind of switcheroo that uh, uh, Robert De Niro did in A Bronx Tale. Yeah, where instead of playing the gangster right. badass, he played the hardworking blue collar dad that's For concerned sure. about his son. Chas Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Martin Sheen did the same thing in Wall Street, where instead of him being, you'd normally see him in Michael Douglas's character. He did the switcheroo, and he's playing just the guy who's concerned for his son, well, like hardworking, like kind of blue collar. There's kind of a great guy, scene you know? where um, Charlie Sheen brings him over to his house, trying to get the company sold. Right? So the yeah, stock can come yeah, up. yeah. And uh, Martin Sheen's obviously not into it the whole time, and then they go into the elevator, and uh, there's just a, there, it's just a great acting. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Charlie Sheen's really... I like him a lot. I think he's a cool actor most of the time. Definitely, but, yeah. Uh, I think, he, I mean, he's got some... Bleh, but for yeah. the most part, he's got but, some really uh, great stuff. But, uh, no, I, I really like that movie, so... Um, my number two that uh, I'll turn into my number one, because Badland was my number one, uh, is... Uh, and it's a small part, but it's great to see this, and this is even before Apocalypse Now, and I've mentioned this movie before, and there's some funny context to it. But uh, <laughs> Catch-22. Um, yeah. He plays Lieutenant Dobbs. Doesn't have a lot of scenes in, in the movie, but the parts that he's in, he's great because there's a Yosarian that's played by... Um, um, Alan Alda. Al, uh, uh, Alan Arkin. Arkin, sorry. I always mix those I names know, up. I do it all the time, too. Um, yeah, Alan Arkin plays Yosarian, who's this completely in, in, insane uh, um, officer, and Lieutenant Dobbs 
just loves fucking with him. There's a couple of scenes like yeah. in the cafeteria where he's just <laughs> like, you know, like, who are you talking about? Who are you, ta- who are you yelling about, Yusarian? Why? Why do you say that? And like, there's this back and forth between the two of them that, that almost reaches like an Abbott and Costello kind of routine thing. And watching him is like so fast and so funny. It's just great. And he's it, done a lot of military movies, like mm-hmm. where he's in one kind I mean, of... Those are his two big there. things are military movies well, and, and playing the president. Well, that's <laughs> just, just like, like, you know, a copper like Men in Power, you know, but, yeah. and, you know, just basically one of my mentions, and it's kind of a cheesy movie, but it's like, it's another Charlie Sheen movie where he's kind of the man in power, but he's his, like, sergeant or general or whatever, and it's the movie Cadence. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I haven't thought about little, that movie forever, they do the man. Dance yeah. And the, tat- the tattoos of the eight balls Ooh, on his hands. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I liked that movie. I did too. Man. I and do like, like that um, movie. Martin Sheen was great in it. See, and I don't really... even remember him being in it. When oh, yeah, I he's think the about main it. sergeant guy in it, and uh, I guess it's like you see him so much exactly. that you forget that. And that's a lot why of the I would have. I thought I'd have more. We would have more variety with our um, picks, and there was a little bit there, yeah. but the, uh, you know, but you know, and I'm like, I look back, and he's just done a lot of shit for a long time. So yeah, but, definitely. But that was one of my mentions. Was oh, Cadence. I like Cadence. Or I they do see that, that movie Ooh. again. Ah, that's the sound of the men working on the chain. Hopefully people know what we're talking about. Well, if they don't, whatever. Um, well, that was great. So that was our top That was our top five Martin Sheen. And it was actually a little bit harder than than I thought, like, like going back through. Okay, now in reference to what I said before about Platoon and that Oliver Stone put these guys through absolute hell making that movie. And then once again, Apocalypse Now... Another war movie, dropping them in the jungle and putting them through absolute hell to make this movie. Next week, we are watching Black, Stiller, and Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna go. We're going to the. We're going back to the Jordan Commons Theater to watch an uh, early sneak preview. Sneak preview. And it doesn't come out until the fifteenth. So we're gonna see it early. We're, we're gonna, gonna see it tomorrow. It, we're gonna do it tomorrow, and um, we don't get these. Passes very much, so uh, yeah. So we're gonna do we're it taking while we advantage when we can. So yeah. we'll, we will uh, do a podcast next week, the Tuesday or Wednesday before it comes out. Yeah. So we're gonna and do it's a gonna non- be a non yeah, yeah. Um, non spoiler yeah. edition. So that way, uh, you know, because a lot of people won't have seen it yet, um, which will be really hard for us to do. It will be, but we can but talk more about. There's so gonna be, be stuff easier. to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we're going to be doing uh, our top five, and because it's called Tropic Thunder, which is obviously like. Uh, hilarious and super stupid. We decided we'd do our top five worst titles for movies. <laughs> I like it. So that'll be really fun, and I think we'll both have totally different ones for that. But for sure. worst titles for movies, top five worst titles. And then we'll be doing our fourth installment of the Joe Dante Film Festival, The Howling. And uh, cross your fingers, I will probably be doing my uh, <laughs> review of, of uh, Delta Farce. Oh, God. So you're going to watch a couple more movies. Oh, God. (laughs) I just hope he dies at the end. Um, All right, right, so now let's get into a little... We have a a little bit of uh, uh, listener feedback. Most of it was on the forum, The Rock Salt, that we frequent. Um, You Go into it. Hey, we got some good ones. Uh, Cornelius, what's his his real name? I don't know. Isn't that Keith Keith Callister, or is that somebody else? No, no. Oh. Someone else. Okay, uh, uh, Cornelius on The Rock Salt... Uh, had comments about our blonde bad guys that he felt that were overlooked. Uh, Peter Stormare's character in Fargo. Beautiful. Fucking great one. That is a great one. Um, 
And he's also the uh, the nihilist in The Big Lebowski, <laughs> so that's a good one, too. Yeah, you can tie those um, together. David Bowie in Labyrinth, awesome. Yep. Um, Daryl Hannah is L.A. Driver in Kill Bill. Um, I imagine the reason why that one didn't show up on either one of our lists is because it showed up on your top five for uh, Best Female Villain. Female Villain. So that might have been one of the reasons why. Um, also, is there a place online where you document your top fives? Now I can't remember whether or not you also mentioned the Iceman from Top Gun That's or Swayze's great. character from Point Break. Okay, okay. First Ice of all... Iceman is an overlooked one. I now, Iceman is an overlooked one, but he, he's, he's kind of not really the villain. Well, he doesn't turn out to be, but he's he's like he is kind of a douchebag. If you had to pick a villain in that movie, it would be him for sure. I would have thought it'd just been those faceless Russians that they kept (laughs) shooting down in the air, but that's just me. (laughs) Now Swayze's character from Point Break, which by the way was named Bodhi, after Bodhisattva. um, Such a surfer name. That's a good one. Pretty blonde. Pretty blonde. Very blonde. That would be great. That'd be a really great one. Um, Okay, and then okay, now we've got uh, uh, Mark Middlemas also mentioned. Alexander Gudinov in Die Hard. Who's the, is that the dude that he shoots and takes his shoes? Um, I think it's like uh, Alan Rickman's brother. Or oh no, I remember him. Yeah, and he had the kind of he had the kind of like long blonde I think, hair. If I'm thinking of, I think I think you're right. Um, oh, walking in a view to a kill. Okay, Isn't blonde hair in that. I fucking guess. Uh, Scott I Farkas. I don't know who that is. That's that's the uh, the the bad guy in. Um, I think uh, Frankie in Christmas Story. Him and the two guys in Christmas Scott Story. Scott Farkas. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Now, what's the Zapka Zapka Zapka? I don't know what that is. You're a bigger nerd than any of us. Thank you, Mark, for being a nerd. Yes. Um, um, oh, Scott Farkas is totally a ginger. That's what Cornelius but, uh, So, anyway, I don't so, know. Yeah, that's um, not is that back. Is that the only one that we had? Do we have anything Pretty from much. our... Yeah, is that, that was the only one. Taylor wrote us, I think, but... Um, do you he wrote, want? He wrote you actually, but oh yeah, we won't worry about it. We'll do that one next week. Sorry, Taylor, you lost out this week because uh, we didn't look it up beforehand, so we're not going to now. <laughs> At any rate, uh, thanks for the feedback. Any more feedback that you could give us uh, would be great. You can go ahead and email us at a damn podcast. Uh, at gmail dot com, or just go to a damn podcast dot com. You can download all of our episodes there. Um, you can see synopsises. Hopefully soon we'll have the top fives on there. Yeah, I'm I'm recording them. I'm 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 documenting all of our top fives from previous episodes now, but it sucks because it means I have to go back and listen to all this bullshit every time. Is it really that bad? It's terrible. <laughs> it takes forever. Oh, I thought you meant we suck. That's what I mean. Just listening to it. It's just it's just like little daggers in my ears. <laughs> it's great. No, not really. I love it. I love it. I listen to him all the time. Anyway, uh, this has been episode 20. 20. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we I go? I do not. Thank you for listening. Next week, fucking Tropic Thunder and uh, The Howling. Top five movies with terrible titles. And uh, I don't know. Maybe hopefully, Delta Farce. Hopefully Delta Farce. God, yeah. If I don't shoot my brains out halfway through you it, I'll be to here. You have to watch the whole thing. I will. Because I think Karate Dog... Didn't really Not expect. my fault, dude. Not my fault. The DVD player refused to do it. And I don't blame it at all. <laughs> Although I have a feeling that an hour and a half of Larry the Cable Guy will make me feel like I could just sit and play ball with Chocho for fucking years. Anyway, uh, this has been Damn Podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.